The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Christmas Show. You see, we elves have taken over this show, and it is no longer about horror, but about us. We read our story. In fact, we are so nice elves, we sell our story for 99 cents this week, until December 1st. So go to Amazon, get it for 99 cents on Kindle. And also, here is the story. Host? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and read next chapter. The two reindeer sleigh landed on the roof of a split-level home in a quiet suburban neighborhood near Seattle. The flying beast snorted and pawed at the shingles. Jing was crammed inside with eight other elves. He squished through and climbed through a small door. He hopped onto the roof and landed with a thump. The sleigh took off and shot off at warp speed seconds later. Most humans didn't know Gene Roddenberry had a brief gig as a traveling toy salesman when he was young and got a lot of his inspiration for Star Trek from Santa. Jing was about to shoot off the garland of tinsel and zip line down the chimney when an elf with gray hair and a wrinkled face cleared his throat. Jing whipped around with his hand in his pouch already grabbing for a weapon. The venerable elf raised his hands and said, You got me there, sonny. Sorry, Jing said and pulled his hand out. It's hard to take the SEF out of the elf. I heard that one of you SEF boys were going to be joining us here in the front lines. But I didn't believe it till now. Is Santa strapped for workers? It's a long story. Are you the elf I'm here to replace? <laughs> the elderly elf chuckled and said, Oh no, Sugar Plum sent me to show you the ropes, and she didn't want you to go screwing her data. She works hard and air-free, naughty and niceless, you see. No thanks, Jing said. I don't need a chaperone. Think of me as your partner. I'm here on an hourly basis, and so the sooner you learn the system, the sooner I can go back to learning the noises and listening to the bay. What? 
Seagulls, horns, bells, there ain't nothing like it. It's soothing. I suggest you try it sometime. Jing felt like he understood the guy. It was the same experience he had on the ferry, the sound and sights of life going on around him. Jing, he held out his hand. His trainer said, Alabaster, Alabaster Twinkles. The elf was so old that he must have been from the generation that had two names. Before Jing was born, Christmas was a somber affair. Santa's partner Krampus had played a more prominent role. Then there was the big push to make Krista festive and delightful. The elves were pressured to change their names. The ones who pushed back added a second name, like the humans, to make themselves more festive, but also keep their old identity. The real rebels moved to Antarctica with Krampus. However, no one had heard from the wayward business partner in a very long time. Should I call you Alabaster or Twinkles? Jing asked. Alabaster Twinkles, if we're going to be formal about it, but most folks call me Al. Alabaster said, Okay, Al, let's get on with this. He said and turned towards the chimney. I thought you'd be different, Al said. Jing turned around. What do you mean? I don't know. I thought you'd all be snobby or something. But you seem all right to me, Al said. Jing shrugged it off. It wasn't the first time the working class elves had preconceived notions about him. Working close to Santa meant that he was always in the limelight of the elf world. Santa didn't help by tooting every victory as a win in the fight for Christmas. The Norway vacation tradition was just as much about him spending time in a place where nobody knew Jing as it was about a vacation. Al sauntered up to the chimney and pulled out a candy cane colored rope. He tied it off and hopped inside. Jing shot his repelling tinsel into the edge. It wrapped around the stone. He jumped inside and whooshed past the old elf. Scrambling down, the SCF stopped short of the embers at the bottom of the fireplace. He kicked off from the back edge and pressed a button on his belt at the apex of his swing. He broke free from the garland and flipped through the air. Jing landed on his feet in the center of a living room that was all decked out for Christmas. There were music boxes on every free space featuring winter landscapes, elves, and religious iconography. An advent calendar stood on the piano next to wooden figurines depicting the birth of Jesus. There was a giant Christmas tree with red, blue, and silver globes. It was also littered with handmade ornaments only a parent could love, and candy canes the kids were sure to enjoy. There were four stockings, Mommy, Daddy, Amelia, and Elijah. Before he could explore, Al jumped from the fireplace and said, Show off. If you don't like the gear assignments, you can always ask Sugarplum. <laughs> oh, oh no, Al cackled. We had a special thing back in the day. She was something, I tell you. What happened? Jing asked. You know how it is. I was always working. It used to be that most of us elves never left the North Pole. Now Santa had us working double, even triple shifts, just to give all the kids enough shelf time. So by the time I was gone, she moved on. Married herself a village boy with a stable North Pole job. Trust me when I say I understand what you went through. Well, it's no matter. That's deep in the past. Let's go find Tinsel so we can get us up to speed. Al waved them forward. They found Tinsel snoring on a cot behind some boxes in the basement. There was chocolate and candy cane wrappers around his makeshift sleeping arrangements. A picture of a blonde-haired elf was posted next to his bed. Al pointed to the photo and said, It'll never last. Hey, Tinsel, wake up. The sleeping elf continued to snore. Wake up, Tinsel, wake up, Al said and smiled. Watch this. He jumped on the cot and yelled, Earthquake! Earthquake! The sea ice is melting! We're all gonna die! Tinsel jumped out of bed and ran around, and he hit a stack of boxes. 
The topmost toppled to the ground, and there was a sound of glass shattering. Owl laughed while Tinsel got his bearings. Tinsel cursed, then yelled, Why'd you do that? You could have woken up the whole household. Don't tell me your word about being caught with all these wrappers everywhere. Al picked up a crumpled chocolate wrapper and held it at arm's length. I was going to clean it. Who's this? Tinsel nodded to Jing. He's a new guy who's here to replace you. Wait, what? You could have told me you were coming. I could have got a sleigh ride back home. Now I have to take the bus. Uh, you know how long it takes for a bus to get to the North Pole. You knew the schedule, Al said. Yeah, but it's, it's customary for your relief to let you know when they're coming so, so you can catch a sleigh. It's his first day. Cut the kid a break. It had been a while since anyone called Jing Kid. He almost was a century and a half, and it was young even in elven terms, but by no means a child. He let the comment slide. It was nice not to be Jingles, Santa's elite helper, and just an ordinary elf for once. What's the skinny on this family? Al asked. Why did you request reassignment? It's all in the naughty or nice report, Tinsel clammed up. Come on, Al said. You know the document doesn't have everything. Okay, fine, for you, Hal, but don't go telling anyone. I talk bad about a kid. That includes you. Tinsel pointed at Jing. That boy Elijah is a monster. He set fire to my shoes. I was lucky his sister caught him before he burned the rest of me. Did you report it? You know what happens when I do that. Al sighed. Yeah, he goes on the naughty list. Tinsel continued. He's an angel otherwise. Except when no one's looking and I'm the one in the room, the kid can't help but mangle me every time we're alone. Jing wasn't worried. He had taken down mafia bosses and terrorist organizations. He could handle a kid. It sounded like Tinsel had gone soft. He'd seen it with other SCF elves. They'd be sent to take care of an importer gouging the price of whatever the latest action Japanese figures were. And then the SCF would come back and tell Santa the dirtbag had a family of his own. Family didn't excuse rotten behavior. All right, all right, Al comforted. Don't get your britches in a twist. We'll be taking over now, so if there isn't anything else, you get your stuff cleaned up and go home to your lady. Her name's Mint Ginger, Tinsel said as he gathered his wrappers. Al turned to Jing and said, Looks like there'll be no bay for me tonight. This one's going to be a long one. I can handle a kid, Jing said. You go. If you really want, you could come back tomorrow. That's what they all say. I don't care about your SEF training. Kid's SEF? Tinsel remarked. That's none of your business, Al said, and Tinsel kept his head down. You may have been taught all the pressure points to take a human down, but that's a human adult. Human kids are something else entirely. You think a room full of thugs and baseball bats is intimidating? Try a room full of hungry toddlers. You should be okay so long as you follow some basic rules. Which are? Jing said. We'll save those for tomorrow, except for one. I don't need you to waken up to pee in the middle of the night and encountering the kid. Rule run. First and most important, handed down by Santa himself. You see anyone at all, I don't care if it's your grandma, you go limp. Limp, but that's suicide, crazy, I've heard it all before. I was going to say that's an SEF tactic. Going limp was the rare ability elves had to blend in with any other toy around the house. Elf bones were extremely pliable. The only way Jing could pack a punch was by tensing his muscles at the right moment to make his fists like steel. Since elves could flop around like a stuffed doll, people didn't notice them. It was the perfect way to spy in a room without being seen. However, it wasn't foolproof. People who knew what they were looking for could figure it out. Yeah, Al said. 
We elves in the field use it too. It's a good way to remind the little snots that the Santa is always watching. Even though they all know the song, it still doesn't prevent them from being bad. So what are you saying? We're gonna be like Elf on the Shelf, Jing said. Oh no, we're not here for antics and childhood memories. We're strictly here to observe and report. The less the family sees you move around the house, the better. But if they see you, go limp and wait for the right moment to sneak away. Santa should just bug the home, Jing said. It would be way easier if Shelf Time were a team of people viewing remotely from far away. Seems less dangerous, especially with a kid who likes to light fires. Uh, you think you could get Santa to do that? Tinsel said. I'd watch a monitor all day over this work. Al rolled his eyes. Santa can barely keep up with the toy demand. Where do you think he get all that equipment? There's a lot of tiny video cameras. This seemed to shut Tinsel up. Okay, so I'll go limp if I'm spotted. I've infiltrated secret toy cabals in Iraq, North Korea, and the Soviet Union, you know. Jing said, There you go, bragging again. Showing off on this gig can only lead to trouble. You are the invisible eyes and ears of Santa. Right, observe and report. I get it. Jing said, You really don't need to stay the night. Trust me, Al said. You'll want me here in the morning. Jing shrugged and turned back to the sleeping arrangements. All of Tinsel's junk was cleaned up and all that was left was a little elf-sized cot. He didn't bring any sheets or blankets. It was rare that he had anything so luxurious as a cot. He was used to cement floors and attic crawl spaces. Al brought out the pieces to construct another bed from the sack on his belt. Al saw had pouches that were made of the same material as Santa's bag and were bigger on the inside. Sleep came much later that night. It wasn't the fact that Al was noisy and clumsy setting up the cot, nor was it the strange basement with the weird shadows, or even the threat of the elves terrorizing the kid. It was Stephen. Even though he came here to get him out of his mind, he could do anything but replay the memory of when he first encountered Julio, sans pants. All I want for Christmas is you. Jing woke up to a face hovering over his cot. His dagger was out and pressed against the neck of the intruder before he was fully awake. By the time he realized it was Al, the mentor was already chiding him. You better leave that down here, the elderly elf said. The last thing you want to do is murder a kid. Jing put the dagger back in his bag. He never killed anyone he hadn't intended, yet. You're calm for almost having your throat slit this morning, Jing said. Most people on the wrong end of his blade were shaken by the incident. Al didn't even flinch. Jing wondered why the man was never recruited for the SEF. I can tell you you haven't worked around kids much. You need to develop a tough skin for this business. Jing doubted that it was tougher than being tortured by Yakuza, but he kept the critique to himself. So what's the plan for today? We find a spot and sit, Al said. They climbed the stairs together. It was still dark outside and the house was the same as it was when they arrived. They walked towards the kitchen and climbed up to the breakfast bar that was on the island in the center. There was a wicker basket with plastic holly in it that decorated the countertop. Al plopped down by the plant and Jing sat near him. They made small talk until they heard footsteps down the hall. The stride was short and light. Jing guessed that it was one of the children. A blonde girl with bright blue eyes, no more than eight years old, wandered into the kitchen. Her eyes lit up when she saw them. She ran from the room and screamed, Elfie has a friend! Elfie has a friend! That's what she called Tinsel, Al said. But won't her parents notice? Jing said. Notice what? That I'm not Tinsel. Humans can't really tell one elf apart from the others. That's absurd, Jing said. And another thing, aren't they going to question why there's two elves instead of one? Each parent will think the other one did it, Al said. To them, we're just stuffed toys that don't merit a lot of attention. 
Sure, maybe if they scrutinize you, they could see the difference, but Sugar Plum is pretty good at matching. She doesn't replace a black elf with an Asian one. Remember, the key here is to go unnoticed. We want the family to forget we are here. We wouldn't do Santa any good and any favors if he knew that they knew about us. It's easy to be good when somebody's watching. It's much harder when they think nobody will see him, and then they think they can get away with it. Before Jing could respond, they heard footsteps coming down the hall. The older brother, Elijah, walked into the room with mussed-up hair with blue tips. He wore Avengers pajamas and had a glazed look in his eye. The kid opened the fridge and pulled out a carton of milk. After pouring a glass, his eyes darted around the room like a person about to do something shifty. He grabbed some chocolate syrup and squeezed it into the mix and glugged it down. Naughty, Jing whispered. Only if the parents forbid it, Al whispered back. I doubt chocolate milk is appropriate for breakfast. That's not for us to decide. Elijah turned towards the elves. He wiped a chocolate mustache off his face and walked towards the bear. Stupid elves, he said and put his glass over Jing's head. He tilted the cup and the chocolate mist was about to slosh down when he was interrupted by a voice. What you doing, bud? The father said. He was a skinny man with glasses. I I'm just trying to give Elfie a drink of chocolate milk, Elijah said innocently. The father chuckled and said, Oh, that's not how you give elves a drink of milk. You leave the glass out like you did for Santa, remember? Oh, yeah, Elijah said. I forgot. Why don't you go get dressed and pour out that before Mom sees it? You know she wouldn't want you drinking chocolate milk for breakfast. But it was for Elfie, I swear. Your mom might not see the difference, Father said. Elijah dumped the milk and scampered away. The father grabbed a microwave breakfast sandwich from the freezer and set the timer for three minutes. He left the room. That was definitely naughty, Jing said. I guess, Al said. He lied to his parents. Daddy was encouraging the behavior by accepting it as a matter of fact. Maybe he didn't want to deal with the argument, or he still thinks the kid is too young to know the difference. I don't know. I ain't their shrink. What's the point of a naughty and nice list if I can't add stuff to it when they're blatantly naughty? Okay, fine, fine. Just ignore all the new ones. I'll show you how it works. Al walked through on how to report the incident on the tablet Sugar Plum handed out. It was simple. In the NNN app, he had two icons of each of the kids. He tapped on the boy and answered a few fundamental questions, and he calculated a point value. Once they were done submitting, it brought them back to the screen with the two icons. Under the names of each was a bar. The girl was very far on the nice side of the graph, and the boy was creeping towards the naughty side. What's this mean? Jing asked. Each kid's actions accumulate in the naughty and nice totals. If the kids stay on the nice side, they get bonus presents, Al explained. And what if it goes to the naughty? Don't know. The technology was implemented after I switched to hourly. I don't stay at any home long enough to find out. It used to be you just called a number and some else came to take care of it. Take care of what? Don't know that either. Once a kid is on the naughty list, we get recalled. There's no point in watching a kid who ain't getting presents anyway, especially when we are short-staffed. And there's other kids out there who still have a shot at the nights list. The rest of the morning went without much incident. The family came in and out of the kitchen, getting ready for the day. Amelia got some nice points for helping her mother with the dishes. Elijah gained some points by telling his parents what he was doing in school that day and then lost them again by peeing in an unhealthy looking potted plant. When the family was around, the job was fascinating. All his encounters with humans have been with the worst of the worst. It was nice to see that there were good people out in the world who did the right thing when people weren't looking. Amelia had spotted a cookie jar with a note from her mom that said, None till Christmas, written with a sharpie. 
she opened the pot for a sniff and gazed longingly at the cookie. When Elijah came after her, he swiped one without hesitation. After the family left for the day, Al stood up and stretched. Jean could have gone longer. During SEF trading, they stuffed themselves into boxes for weeks on end. He never knew when he's the only way to infiltrate an enemy base would be by hiding in a gift. So what about the other rooms? We could be missing on it, naughty and nice things as we speak. I'm telling you with cameras. There you go, pretending like Santa has unlimited resources, Al said. Why do you think he invented the naughty and nice list? The list was invented, Jing said. That was news to him, had been around since he was born. While he wasn't an ancient elf sucking on candy canes and talking about the glory days, he still had been at it for long enough that the SEF felt like he knew everything about the entire enterprise of Christmas. Some things, like the naughty and nice list, seemed to be so rooted in tradition that he couldn't picture a world without it. Oh yeah, Al said. Back in the glory days, Jing stifled a laugh. We used to give presents to all the kids around the world, Al shrugged and continued, dreamy-eyed. I was young and had the energy for making toys. Santa's workshop was active all year round just to keep up with the demand, but the population got bigger and bigger and Santa had to cut it off, just give toys to those who celebrated Christmas, and then to make more cut he had to make a naughty and nice list. Then there was outsourcing to China. Times have changed when I was making little wooden drinking birds. Al bid Jing farewell and said that he'd be back around three in the afternoon before the boy gets home and the fun really begins. Al had told him that all the action happened on nights and weekends when the family had time to interact with each other, or in the kid's case, fight. Jing couldn't leave while the kids were at school in case the boy had to come back home or sick, or school let out early, or some other reason he was stuck at the house 24-7. At first, Jing kept his mind occupied by exploring the space, looking for entry and exit points, escape routes, weaknesses in the building, and good vantage spots. It was as this SEF train again. He was always strategizing. After a while, he succumbed to his own weakness and pulled up Elf Book on his tablet. He tapped Stephen on his friends list and knew it was a mistake. The first picture that came up was Julio and Stephen on a jet ski in Mexico. Stephen hated the heat as much as Jing, or at least that's what Jing thought. However, after seeing the look of glee on Stephen's face, Jing was beginning to wonder. The day went downhill from there. Jing kept refreshing Stephen's feed. After their aquatic adventure in the morning, they had lunch at a beautiful cliffside restaurant looking over the entire town. Then, in the afternoon, there was a picture of Stephen holding a cocktail and lounging on a beach chair. Jing could see the muscular leg in the photo. He assumed the toned limb was Julio's. While he self-flagellated with pictures of his former lover, he binged on candy canes. The Christmas tree had real ones, not the cheap plastic ones to make the holiday look festive. Jing didn't notice he had ate almost every candy cane on the tree. He was too busy with tasks like furiously writing a message to Steven, then deleting it, then writing it again. Every time Jing tried to distract himself with something like exploring the house, exercising, or watching television, he would go back to the tablet and mindlessly munch on candy canes while he followed every moment of Steven's day. The vacation time that Steven was using to explore the tropics with Julia was supposed to be for Norway. The wound was too fresh. Stephen having even marked that they were no longer married on Elf Book. But it wasn't the worst part. The worst part was that Stephen looked happy. Whoa, whoa, Al said and came out of nowhere and surveyed the massive pile of candy cane wrappers littering the couch. I've seen Elf crack on the field, but never on the first day. I had an afternoon snack. There's a ton in the pantry. We can put them back on the tree. They won't notice a few missing, Jing said and closed the tablet. Phew, can elves get diabetes? Al said, because I think you might be close. 
let's just do this. What are we going to have to do tonight? Whoa, okay, Mr. All Business. Just when I was starting to like you, first up, clean up the wrappers. Humans shouldn't even know we exist. Before he could react, they heard a voice coming from down the hall. Mom? Dad? Is that you? The voice belonged to Elijah. He had come home early. Quick, Al said. Go limp. What about the mess? Jing said. No time. You don't want a kid to discover the truth about Santa. The last elf who spilled the beans about St. Nick disappeared, and no one's heard from him since. Before Jing could inquire further, Elijah rounded the corner. He wore a backpack and saw the elves among the candy wrapper. The kid dumped his pack on the floor and moved over to inspect the mess. He saw the tablet. Jing's mind raced to think of a solution. He knew that Santa was secretive about his activities, but he doubted an elf would disappear for breaking the code. Jing knew one thing for sure. The work-class elves tended to blow things out of proportion. The elf who disappeared was probably just on a paid suspension while they sorted it out, and then decided to take some other job other than the Christmas Enterprise. While Jing didn't know what would happen if the kid got a hold of the device, he figured the rule was created so kids would wake up to a pile of presents in the morning and think that was magic instead of some well-oiled enterprise at the North Pole making it happen every year. Most kids knew about Santa anyways, even if they didn't get a glimpse of a moving elf or a North Pole tablet. Most of the solutions that popped into his mind involved putting the kid in a sleeper hole, so it wasn't useful. Just before the child's hand was about to grab the device, Jing thought of a solution. He chucked a razor snowflake at the globe ornament on a tree. It shattered. Elijah turned his head to look, and Jing snabbed the tablet back. By the time the boy turned around again, the curiosity was gone. Before the child was able to puzzle out what happened, another voice came down the hallway. Elijah, is that you? The mother asked. Elijah's eyes went wide. He scooped up the wrappers from the ground and attempted to stuff them into his pocket. He was a little too late. Mom entered the room. Her eyes narrowed the carelessly discarded backpack. What's that? What? Elijah played dumb and stepped in front of the wrappers. That! She pointed to the back. How many times have I told you about not leaving your stuff over the house? Mom! Elijah whined. I, I just got home. That's still no excuse, she said, and saw the candy wrappers. Her eyes darted over the tree. Elijah, I told you that those were for Christmas. Do you want to eat all your treats and have nothing for Christmas Day? Mom, Elijah said, it wasn't me. What about your sister? Do you think she might have wanted a candy cane? I, I told you, I just got home. When I hear the heater broke in your school, I decided to check up on you. I'm ten years old, I can stay home by myself. Only in between when you get home from school and I get home from work. That, that's what time it is now. Clearly, you're not ready for that responsibility. Now go to your room. But Mom, Elijah squealed, I said go to your room. Do you want to get grounded for this weekend? But it's Jason's birthday party. Go. Elijah slumped his shoulders and slunk away. He picked up his backpack and left the elves. Before he was able to leave the room, his mom called after him. Don't forget to clean up your toys. But they aren't mine, Elijah said. I'm not going to argue with you, mister. Elijah grabbed the elves and squeezed their necks. Jing had a high tolerance for pain and he could hold his breath for a long time. He could see Al wasn't faring too well. Before Jing could think of another distraction, the kids switched hands to their legs and dragged them up the stairs to his room on the top floor. Their heads thumped on every step. Jing was beginning to understand what drove Tinsel up the wall. Alright guys, the, the elves are here telling me that, that that was more of a Christmas elf secret agent. Uh, they want to say it's a 99 cents through uh, December 1st on kindle on amazon so uh yeah go pick it up and while you're at it uh uh you know maybe maybe listen to aaron's uh 
Aaron Hunter show uh, Real Paranormal Activity on Mondays, uh, send him a message. Tell him I'm uh, trapped in the studio with Els. Or maybe uh, Carrie's Mysterious Moments on, on Wednesdays. Tell, give him a message, please. Or, 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 or uh, you know, uh, the Sandman's Lullaby, uh, kind of on Thursdays. If, if it's out, just, yeah, tell him I'm trapped. Help. <laughs>